Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight uh, just thankful for your word, thankful for that gospel uh, word that you uh, give us tonight. We pray, God, that you would reveal it to us, that you would show us uh, uh, where it shines light on our lives, where there is a darkness needing your light. We pray, God, that you would give us uh, ready hearts uh, to allow you to come in and to reside uh, with us. I pray, Father, uh, that your Spirit would lead me as I uh, deliver your word to your people. And I pray, God, that it would come clear uh, to all men, to all women here tonight, uh, that your Spirit would be glorified and that we would be uh, continually and increasingly aware of your Spirit within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to um, just commend to you uh, Craig Smalley's sermon from this morning. It'll be on our website um, tomorrow morning. If you have not, if you were not here uh, this morning to hear it, it, is, it was just it was really good. It was helpful uh, to me. So I'll just be reciting what he said um, this morning. No, I'm kidding. But um, but it was really good. So if you have um, 12 or 13 minutes and can go on the website and uh, download that, I commend it to you. I want to just begin, uh, as we so often do, uh, with a question um, before we look at our passage from Romans. Uh, And that question is, are you free? Are you free? What what does it mean to be uh, free in Christ, and and do you have that? Uh, It might be helpful, uh, before we uh, take a look at really what I think is, is one of the high points in all of Scripture... Uh, if, if there is such a thing, um, and um, that there, this Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation. We're going to look at really the whole passage, but uh, it, it might be helpful for you to know that Paul is addressing religious people. Uh, they were Christians uh, there in Rome, and some of them came from Jewish backgrounds, and some of them came from pagan backgrounds, but these were people who understood uh, religion. Uh, They had uh, been raised in it for generations and generations, uh, dating back to who knows uh, how long. But they were were people who understood uh, what it uh, took to appease their God. Uh, They understood, uh, if they were Jews, they understood uh, what it meant to follow the law and the requirement that they, as uh, Jewish persons, uh, live up to the standard that God has, had laid out for them in uh, the Torah and the prophets. Or if they were pagans, they understood that uh, their gods required uh, sacrifices uh, or they required attendance in their, um, in their temple or they required um, offerings or whatever it was. They understood religion. They understood religion. And the question of the religious person is always, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Now you might be thinking to yourself, or you might have someone in mind uh, that you know who might say to this, well, you know what, that's fine and good, but I'm really uh, not that religious. I'm not a religious person. And I would uh, answer, well, yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are. Everyone uh, is religious. Um, now, because religion is a contract. It says that, that, if, um, that if that you will give me salvation if I hold up my end of the bargain. 
Now, we say that to God, uh, and, and, or if, if we are religious, we say that uh, to God. And that's certainly what, um, that's, that's what Paul's audience would have understood. That if I follow the Ten Commandments, or if I make the right sacrifice, then you, God, or this God of whatever it was in, in Rome, uh, that they, this God would accept me based on what I have given uh, to this to God. But we do this with other things as well. We are all uh, religious people. Think about your relationships. Think about if maybe you're a parent and you, um, and you make a contract uh, with your child. Good parenting in, good kid out. Right? That's, that's, how, that's how we want it to work. And if, you, if I do what I am supposed to do for you, child, then you will do what you're supposed to do for me, which is to be a, a great and respectable person, and then everyone will see you, and they will be impressed with me. <laughs> I've heard that's how it works. Uh, I don't, um, or we do this with our spouse. If I am a good husband or I am a good wife, then you will do for me what I will do, and I will get the satisfaction that I went into this relationship expecting. That's religion. It's an if-then contract. If I do this, then you will do this. If, God, I obey the Ten Commandments or I'm better than my next-door neighbor, then you will uh, accept me. We might do it with work. If I make this deal or this transaction or teach these students uh, in this particular way, whatever it is, if I do this, then I will... Uh, rise, I will be recognized. It's what do we get our identity from? And if you want to know what your religion is, then think about what it is that if it were taken away from your life, that your life would cease to have meaning. And so, we all have uh, religion. And we keep feeding it. That is, we keep trying to up in, uh, um, uphold our end of the bargain. And it's, it sometimes creates a terrible burden uh, on us. Um, have I done enough? Have I done enough? And if the answer is no, and we usually have a sneaking suspicion uh, that it, the answer is no, then I have failed in my self-salvation project. And we go back and forth. We go back and forth. I'm trying this. Have I done enough? I want to do this, but then I do something, I do the wrong thing, or I do what I want to do, I, I don't do. And that's where Paul was. That's Romans 7. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Remember he says, I want that, and that's the burden of, of the religious person as well. I want to do this thing, but I find myself not doing the thing that I want to do. Let me tell you, I mean, as, as a parent... I constantly, or as a spouse, I constantly am going, Dadgummit, I, I didn't want to yell. And I did. I didn't want to um, not hold the line. I said I was going to, there's going to be consequences, and, and, and I just didn't have the spine for it. Or I, I, I didn't want to forget your, the anniversary or... or uh, I mean, I, I would never do that, but I, I, I just, um, I, and yet, what I, the thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Have I, and so given that, have I, have I done enough? I have, um, 
recently been reading, uh, rereading uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know, have you read that since um, 10th grade when you had to? Um, and they probably gave a spot on interpretation of it. Uh, I, um, uh, it is really one of the most uh, remarkable uh, things. And I'm really actually not that far into it. But so Christian is going along, and he is, uh, he's, he's, he's been told by an evangelist uh, that he should leave the city of destruction and go to Mount Zion, where he will find uh, salvation. And he begs his family to come along on the journey with him. Uh, and, and, and they refuse. They won't do it. And they give him all sorts of reasons why he doesn't need to do it. Uh, but he sets out on his journey anyway. And he immediately falls into the slew of despond, which is really such an amazing... I, like, I've been there. I, I don't know. We, um, have you been there? I mean, you're on vacation. You've been traveling around this, um, this summer. Uh, most of us have visited the slew of despond at, at one point or another. But So he's carrying this, this incredible burden. And this, um, somebody comes to him, Mr. Worldly Wiseman, and says, uh, the way out is to go to this, not to go to Mount Zion, go to this city over here. What's the name of that city? It's Morality is the name of that city. And, and so he goes and um, Mr. Legality meets him, but he can't, he can't get the burden off of his back. And, and, um, and so he goes up, um, he leaves Morality, and head, gets back on the narrow path uh, towards uh, Mount Zion. And he comes upon the cross of Christ. And he looks upon the cross of Christ, and right below the cross is this sepulcher. That's the, the tomb, the empty tomb. And as he looks upon the, the cross of Christ, the burden uh, falls off of his back and falls into the tomb and is swallowed up in the grave. And Christian is said to be as as light as he had ever been uh, in his life, and sure that he was uh, on the right path. All of that, by way of introduction to what is now going to be the very small uh, rest of the sermon, but um, to say that, that religion, that is whatever we have made a contract with to save us, if we uphold our end of the bargain, religion uh, will never give us what we are hoping for, no matter how we feed it. It is only through the cross of Christ. And what Paul is saying when he says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is that the burden is off our back, that he, God has Himself done what the law, the contract, couldn't uh, do. In fact, Paul goes on to explain this. This is... Uh, this is uh, new to me, as I mean, I've probably read this, I don't know, 500 times. But I, but I, I saw uh, this afresh as I was going back through it. That Paul begins to really explain what he's uh, been saying. Every time you, uh, or a lot of times, you see the word for in, in Paul's writings. He's explaining what he's just said. So he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for, let me explain what I've just said, uh, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. That is, the, the law that is going to disappoint us because we couldn't uphold. The question uh, goes continually back and forth, have I done enough? And we have a seeking, sneaking suspicion that the answer is no. But Christ has done that. In fact, God has done... He, then he explains again, let me explain what I've just said there. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That is, that is um, everything, all of this that we have um, 
done that we didn't mean to do or didn't want to do, that He has taken the penalty for that Himself. And that is the true. And it doesn't say God will do this or God might do this if you uphold your end, but actually God has done this already. He sent His Son in order that the righteous requirement of the law, that is, our end of the bargain, might be fulfilled uh, in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me explain what I just said there. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, if the passage ended right there, then the message of this sermon would have to be, therefore, friends, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Don't set your minds on the things of the flesh. You, you need to avoid those things. You need to avoid those temptations. And, and, well, you do. But, um, uh, but that, would be, that would be the burden. And you would leave, inspired maybe, to not go and think, put your, set your minds on things of the flesh. I'm going to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. But then by Wednesday, you would say, have I done enough? Have I done enough? But Paul doesn't, um, doesn't stop there. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. So actually what Paul is doing here is he's contrasting life in the law and life in the Spirit. And he says that, that in Christ, the question, have I done enough, is eradicated. But it's only in Christ. Christ is the Trojan horse of salvation. It's in Him that we get into that place of no condemnation. And what Paul says is the place where there is no condemnation is the place where the Spirit resides. How do you know if the Spirit resides in you? How do you know? I will tell you how you know. And that is if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again. You could not believe that if the Spirit of God had not uh, placed that in your heart and in your mind. And yet, if you do believe that the Spirit of God resides in you. Now, there, you may need to learn how to open yourself to the leading of the Spirit, but the Spirit of God does reside in you. And if that is true, then also what is true about you is the gospel truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean about those relationships, those religions that we have? That if my child doesn't turn out, you know, good parenting in, good kid out. If it doesn't happen like that, it's actually turn, it might, some of you know what happens a lot of times, bad parenting in, good kid out. It's a miracle, really. Uh, what can happen is bad parenting in, bad kid out. Good parenting in, bad kid out. It, they're in God's hands. And you might have great plans for them, but God has great plans for them. And they're in His hands. And if they go through a season where they disappoint you, guess what? There is no condemnation. It's not your identity. What about if your spouse fails you? Good spouse in, good spouse out. Right? Sometimes. 
Not all the time. And if it falls apart, if you are in the Trojan horse of salvation, in Christ, then there is no condemnation. Your ident- it's sad. I'm not saying it's not sad. I'm not saying we don't have to work through those things. Of course we do. But your identity is in Christ. Because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So I'll go back. Are you free? The truth is, if you are in Christ, yes, you are free. And I often uh, have thought or used to think or sometimes wish that freedom in Christ means that I can uh, indulge myself. In a sense, that might be true. But actually, you will know that you're free in Christ when you think of yourself less and of Him and others more. That you're actually free to love the Lord your God with all your heart because of what He has done for you and love your neighbor as yourself as an extension of His of Christ's love for you. And we don't live for our salvation so that there will be no condemnation, but we live from our salvation because there is, in Christ, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.